Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, Kevin Coleman, and I am joined on the podcast by my co-host, Jacob Dunn. Jacob, how are we doing today? I'm great, man. I just got back from the mountain celebrating my Dirty 30 with some family and friends. We hiked, we kayaked, uh, we walked downtown, and admittedly waited way too long for a specialty crepe, uh, <laughs> but it was... It was a fantastic getaway, but I'm excited to be back and pumped for today's show. Yeah, man. Once you hit 30, it's all downhill. We're 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 pretty much done uh, at, at 32 here, and I feel like my body is just, just. I almost I almost broke my back changing the diaper. Uh, so that definitely, uh, I understand it. So on today's show, we're going to be covering crowded running back rooms and how are you drafting this offseason, both Dynasty and Redraft, as we told you guys on the last podcast for folks on both formats. Um, we are also going to be answering listener questions today. So let's, let's go. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, so we are using our ADP, so we're going to be taking a, a look at different draft rooms, how they look. We're using 4 for 4 redraft ADP, so that's what we're using there. And in the DLF Dynasty ADP, both great websites. I definitely take a look at both of those. Uh, we're going to start with Baltimore. Uh, I think that that's a very uh, interesting backfield, as we know. Everybody knows I'm a J.K. Dobbins truther out there, and if you don't know, you do know now. Uh, but it's hurt my soul a little bit with, with what's going on in that running back room. Uh, so we're going to start with Dobbins. And in redraft right now, his ADP redraft, is he's basically going ADP 30, running back 16. So, Jacob, what are we doing with Dobbins in redraft? Uh, so J.K. Dobbins, his breakout game came in week seven last year, right? He had 15 carries for 113 yards. The next two games after that, he had a total of 17 carries for just 43 yards. But from week 10 on, Dobbins averaged 12.8 carries for 82 and a half yards and 1.2 touchdowns, which is insane um, over those last six games. I think we will see J.K. average be, you know, somewhere around 11 to 14 carries um, a game this season. The crazy thing is he had at least one touchdown in every game over his last six games. So I think I... I don't think we can expect him to keep up that gaudy touchdown pace. Uh, but as long as he's getting 11 to 14 carries, he has that big play ability. Um, and, you know, there has been some coach speak, which Kevin loves that coach speak, yeah. right? <laughs> that uh, yeah. they're really trying to target Dobbins more. Uh, but, you know, even if he doesn't get targeted, he is the RB1 in that offense. Now, I will say, there is a running back going right after him, Chris Carson, who I would feel more comfortable taking, but he doesn't offer that ceiling. So you know how he, you know, mm. I like to go for that. I like to go for those floor guys early and then swing for the fence. I know, I know you, Kevin, though, you like to swing for the fence. And I think in the third round, he's still a great value. I would rather get Dobbins in the fourth round, um, but he still, he still has that big play upside. So, you know, so okay. I'm just curious. How do you feel about him in a dynasty league? Yeah. Uh, so in dynasty, well, first of all, in redraft for you, and I know we, t- we talked about not asking much questions, but I got to ask you a couple questions. I, do you feel more comfortable with Dobbins or CEH? Um, I actually feel more comfortable with CEH. Okay. Because they're going right around each other, right? Yeah. And so what about Miles Sanders? Uh, I would 
much prefer Dobbins and CH over Sanders. I am out okay. on Sanders. <laughs> no, you're down with Sanders. Okay, because it's interesting because they're all going around that same area. I, you know, I got as much as I cannot say I'll take CH over Dobbins, but I feel like that's the right play in redraft. Like I, I really do, and that really hurts me to say out loud. Like I, I can't believe I just did that. Let's move on. All right, so let's go to Dynasty. You know, Dynasty. You know, I, I tweeted out recently like the one guy I'm really worried about is Dobbins, and I think it just depends on how you build your team. Uh, if you are like me to where you want to kind of you have an anchor running back, so you draft a really you know Swift or um, or Cook or Jonathan Taylor in the first round, and then that's it. I'm not going to reach on Dobbins where he's going right now. He's basically going running back 12, 35.75. So he's going in that kind of mid tier second to third round, depending on if it's super flex or not. Uh, and in terms of me, when you're looking at that, I just don't know if it's worth it because the way I would be looking at that is I'm going to be taking running back, quarterback, and then probably a wide receiver because I like to build through those young wide receivers I just don't know if his ADP is is value because you know he's going to split time like I know he had he did well he's in a heavy rushing offense I think the addition of Rashad Bateman hurts a little bit because I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more and I know people down on Lamar for some reason and I don't necessarily understand that I still big Lamar guy we talked about him last time uh but as far as dynasty goes I'm okay with you taking Dobbins if you're going to the format of like I'm gonna build for next year like okay I'm gonna take guy maybe he's a high ceiling guy maybe I get lucky this year that they he, he produces really well and then next year I have him and maybe then they actually give him it but he's in a weird purgatory that I don't like like I just mm-hmm. don't like it in dynasty I don't mind it I, I guess I and it, just understand, I had Dobbins on my Mount Rushmore running backs last year. Like he was, I it's how highly I had him rated, and then the Ravens ruined everything. Uh, they just ruined it, and Gus Edwards really ruins it, right? So for Dynasty, I'm very concerned. But where he's going around, if you're going to take someone, it's him because it's Eckler, Mixon, Elliott, Harris. I'm still taking Dobbins over those guys in Dynasty, but I just don't think I'd be taking him over another wide receiver at that level. That's completely fair. And absolutely. And you just alluded to Gus Edwards, which yeah. I think is an incredible value at, as the RB 42, you know, in, in a 12 le- in, in a 12 team league, he's going in the 11th round. And like you said earlier, the Ravens just gave him a solid contract, which let the fantasy world know that he isn't going anywhere. So when all the running backs are healthy, Gus to me is just a luxury bench stash who you could, put in your flex during bye weeks and stuff. But I mean, if one of those two backs go down, like if Dobbins goes down, Edwards is, is a bona fide RB one to me uh, and vice versa. If Edwards goes down, then it's Dobbins backfield. So, um, you know, I saw this joke on Twitter saying that, you know, Dobbins is Gus Edwards, the handcuff, um, which yeah. was, which took it a little bit too far, but I thought was hilarious. Uh, but that just speaks to the Ravens run game. If one of those two guys go down, then the other one's going to step up. But I really love the value of Edwards over the value of Dobbins. I would much rather get Gus Edwards in the 11th round than Dobbins in the third round. Yeah, I think I think Edwards is the must. You have to draft Edwards. Like if you if you grab Dobbins, you better draft Edwards. Like he's the one guy I will say like if you're handcuffing anybody and I hate handcuffing it, He's the handcuffed guy. Like he, especially redrafts, that's where you go. I even think he's a value in Dynasty. Like when you're looking at where he's going in Dynasty right now, running back 46 to a guy that just got a two-year contract. 
extension. He's going to be in Baltimore. He's going to get those carries. Uh, and I think the when I, when I look at Dot or Edwards and just there's a lot of things that I like about Edwards, but the, my favorite stat about Edwards. So I have a couple stats here that I think are important to know. Last year, after we saw Gus Edwards never played more than 50 percent of Baltimore snaps, but he had 17 carries inside the 10 yard line. That's massive. So he's going to look for score touchdowns. After uh, Ingram left, Edwards turned 24 red zone carries into five touchdowns. So they like to kind of rely on him in that red zone area. And then two great stats for him is that with basically him and Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are the only backs to have 2.6 yards after contact the last three seasons. So Edwards is in the same categories of Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. And at the same time, he's the only one of other players besides Chubb to rush for 700 yards and average five yards per carry in his first three seasons. That's Gus the bus. Like he's legit. And like you have to kind of grab him in that high volume offense. Even if they go 60 40, I think he could still be a running back three standalone. I really right. believe that. Right. So I think we uh, all agree, and everyone in the chat <laughs> agrees that Gus is an insane value. And, you know, both, both backs can eat in this Ravens offense. Yeah. No, they're going to eat. And I, and like we talked about, I think, uh, I think Edwards is the better value play in both. God, I can't believe I just said that. Ah, that hurts. It hurts me because I'm a Dobbins truther, but I think right. he's the better value. I think right. uh, Dobbins is getting overdrafted right now and get, and Gus Edwards is getting underdrafted and that's where I got to go. Right. That's how you win. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to go to your favorite squad now. So we are jumping over and we're going over to uh, Denver. So the, you know, the Denver Broncos, uh, we saw them draft Javante Williams. They moved up. They got in front of the Falcons in the draft. Uh, But we're first going to start with Melvin Gordon, uh, who I think is kind of getting a little underrated now in a weird way. Uh, I I would have a feeling. So in redraft right now, Melvin Gordon's going ADP 78 running back 30. I, I would attack that all day. Wouldn't you? So I do love that he is falling because because of the presence of a Javante Williams. If you are a Gordon Truther, it's great value. For me, though, I'm completely fading him. I am completely fading uh. Melvin Gordon. Reason being is that there, you know, like we said, there is a super talented running back waiting in the wings, Javante Williams. But before we dive into Javante, let's look at, at another reason why I should fade Gordon. His contract. Melvin is on the last year of his contract. And even though the Broncos paid him all this money, I mean, it is the last year of his contract. They traded up to get a Javante Williams in the early second round. Melvin isn't the same back we saw with Phillip Rivers in San Diego slash Los Angeles. You know, I think that if there was no threat of Williams, then Gordon is a rock solid RB2 this season. No doubt. But as I alluded to earlier, there's a rookie chomping at the bit to take his spot. Yeah. No, I, I – okay, well, can we relax on the whole Melvin Gordon's dead, though? I mean, you're not so <laughs> saying it, but Matt Bo was saying it. Like, he did have a lot of – I think he had – I think it was like seven games or eight games over 50, uh, over 10 points, fantasy points. He, he cut, yeah. had a couple 20-point games. I think Williams cuts into that, though, a little bit. But I still think Gordon is – Depending on where he's going at ADP, when you're looking at, like we talked about it, he's going as that running back 30. I don't necessarily hate it in redraft. Uh, it, it depends kind of like where you're drafting him at. Um, I'd rather have him. He's going around like Leonard Fournette. I'd probably roll the train on on um, on Melvin before then. Uh, but like like we talked about in this, uh, as Dynasty, I'm not touching him. Uh, if you were going to trade him, you should have traded him last year. If you, if you didn't trade him last year, you were – 
you, you're not playing dynasty, right? Uh, you should have got rid of him when he signed with Denver. That's when you should have done it. Uh, right. As far as right now, you're just hoping he scores some touchdowns for you on that roster. But he's a roster clogger after this year. Right, right. And to, and to answer the question, he is not going to be punished. He is playing straight up in week one. All, all, all of the charges from Gordon's earlier arrest last season have been dropped. Yeah. So he's starting week one for anyone who's wondering. Yeah, now he'll be there, uh, and he he's excited to watch. Now, I think Javante is an interesting – I know you're a big Javante guy. You're excited about Javante. Yeah. What about redraft, though? So redraft, he's going ADP 73, running back 28. So he's going a little ahead of, of Gordon there. Uh, do you think he's a safe – because I don't feel like that's a safe play, but you're you, you're a safe, you're the safe guy on this show. See, I would smash that. I would smash that draft because I'm like, hey, upside, hey, if I don't have him the first couple of games, I'll get him after, and that's a legitimate running back two for me. Uh, but I know you, Mr. Safe, so are you still drafting in there or what? What's funny is that I don't – usually stan or fanboy about many players but this rookie javante williams out of north carolina is an absolute beast and i need to hype him up he he is the highest drafted running back uh for the broncos since 2009 when the broncos drafted no sean moreno so it's been 12 years since we drafted a running back that high that and also the broncos had him as number one on their board so that tells you how much they value this Javante Williams. Uh, he led the FBS in missed slash broken tackles with 75 on 157 rushing attempts. That is almost half of his carries. He had either a missed tackle or a broken tackle, which is insane. And fun fact, he used to be a linebacker. He was turned into a running back in college. So he has that toughness. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and plus he he didn't get the full amount of snaps because he was sharing that backfield with Michael Carter, which I believe will keep his legs fresh. You know, like, you know, he doesn't have a bunch of tread on those tires. Like we see with like the Alabama running backs who stay there four years and just get, you know, like ran into the ground. Um, so if he doesn't start right away, I think that he at least splits, split snaps right away Melvin Gordon will still be like the third down back. He'll be like the two minute drill back just because he's a leader. He's been there. He's a vet. Uh, but by all accounts, Javante Williams, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it up here. Um, and I think that he eventually takes over. And if Gordon gets hurt, I mean, you know, these, this and the Raven situation is one of those situations where if you do take, a Melvin Gordon or a Javante Williams, you're going to want to take the other back either soon after or a few rounds later. I, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I, I will, I will ask you, you're the Denver guy. Are you worried about that offensive line? Cause I know they're not the, they struggled last year. I think they had some injuries. It looks like, you know, as we saw with the, the torn Achilles, uh, we, we have some other areas. Like, are you at all worried about that? And then you also your quarterback play. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think in redraft, you got to be thinking about, right? Absolutely. Yes. So I, I was, I was encouraged by the Broncos offensive line play. Uh, I think that Garrett Bowles barely missed making the pro bowl, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, he had like a resurgence in his career when all, uh, all the people in Denver here were just writing him off, including me. I was just like, get this guy out. He's a bust. And then he comes out and he does great. Now, some of that may be due to the no crowd noise. I've heard that be a huge factor. And I'm sure it was because 
Garrett Bowles gets easily rattled when there's when there's when there's tons of <laughs> crowd noise. So I'm anxious to see if he can keep it up. So yes, it there is a slight risk. But I honestly believe that Javante Williams, if it's not soon, it's going to be a little bit later in the season, maybe like the middle. Uh, he's going to take over this backfield uh, because he just he has the talent, he has the draft capital, and the Broncos love him. Yeah, no, I think he does too. Now, I'm just being devil's advocate here a little bit. I had to, I had to give you some there. Now, I will say in terms of like what you could do with him and Javante in dynasty format. So right now. He is going at ADP 60 and running back 22, which I actually love because I think that's a little too low. But I did a recent startup and I wanted listeners to know what you could do here. And like like I talked about with I had the 106. I went Dak in the first round. I got Swift in the second round and I ended up getting Javante in the fifth round. So that gives me Swift, Javante, Dak. And then I got Lamb and McLaren in the third and the fourth. I love it. My friend, and then I got Noah Fant because, of course, I got Noah Fant because I'm just. I love it even fan. more. <laughs> but that's a good area. He's going in that fifth round. So if you get a, you could go Dak Swift and get Javante as your running back two in Dynasty. That's, I think, a solid play. And I did it. So I think it's genius. But I just think in that fifth round, <laughs> I think that's, exa- that's a great area where he's going because after that, it's what? Miles Sanders, Montgomery, Jacobs. Uh, the shelf life, I'm just Dynasty. Yeah. I, I'm an ageist in running backs. Two years, I'm done. Like that's just how I play the I play the the format, and so or three, depending on who the running back is, if I can get away with it, uh, and and that's just something I've sw- I've switched with. But I think that yeah, you're right. He he fell into a perfect spot. So talent spot. Uh, I'm not going to call him like the next great running back yet, but with where he's at, if they do, they get and if they get Aaron Rodgers, which I know is a pipe dream, but if they could get Aaron Rodgers, value's just going to shoot to the roof because then it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, and, and especially right now in dynasty format. So, all right, I know we talked about Denver a lot because our guy Jacobs, that's his team. But I, I agree. I, I love that. But as far as Gordon goes, you should have got him off your roster last year after the first few games. If, if he's there, you're just hoping for a touchdown. Uh, but Javante is the way to go. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to Arizona because I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what the hell to do with Arizona's uh, backfield. Uh, they got James Conner, who I've been trying to trade in my dynasty league, one of my leagues for three years, and no one will trade me. Uh, <laughs> no one will get let me have just get rid of him. Uh, I couldn't even get move James Conner for a second this year. Uh, so that's how bad it's gotten. So uh, me and James Conner are just going to go out together. Uh, we're old and we're going to go out together there. And then they have Chase Edmonds there. So let's talk about Conner first. So in redraft. It's going pretty low. So ADP 96, running back 34. Are you in it, Connor, at all? Uh, I can pretty much guarantee that I will not own any sh- any shares of Connor. I just, you know, I can just – the only scenario I see him ending up on one of my teams is if I draft the Chase Edmonds earlier just because you need that handcuff. If you have, like, that volatile – see, I don't like the handcuff – RBs either, Kevin, but there are certain, there are certain situations that if you spend like a, you know, like a sixth or seventh round pick on Chase Edmonds, you're going to want to back it up with James Conner, maybe in the ninth or 10th or, you know, or wherever his ADP is, because you don't want to miss out if one of those two get hurt or if the Cardinals just somehow love James Conner and just give him all those carries, uh, which, you know, the Cardinals is such an explosive offense and I know they use Drake a lot and they're probably going to try to use James Conner in that same role of like a, you know, just like a short yardage back. Uh, but Conner hasn't been able to stay healthy forever. And he, he ended his career in Pittsburgh awfully like his last three games. Uh, you know, he, 
he had he had a decent 10 catches for 70 yards uh but i think he only had like i don't know like 50 rushing yards total on like nine carries per game i mean he was just he 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 looked toast he did not look like he deserved another contract uh but the cardinals were desperate but actually and fantasy managers need to keep this in mind um at least for dynasty i mean like Arizona tried hard to trade up for one of the running backs later in the draft, but they failed. So I feel like if they would have drafted a running back in the third, fourth, fifth round, then Connor would have been a cut candidate. But hey, he's still here, so he has some value as long as he's healthy, but he won't be on any any of my teams, I can assure you. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why you, I don't I really don't see a scenario why you're drafting Connor in Dynasty, so it'll be quicker. He's running running back 36, 122. To put in perspective who's going around that, Terrace Marshall, Zach Moss, Michael Carter, AJ Dillon, Elijah Moore. I'm not drafting Connor over any of those guys in that area. No. Like, especially in Dynasty, it just that, that's just that's how you lose. That's how you get orphan teams because you realize why did I take James Connor? Cuz if you watch Connor play, he's He's not the same guy that he was. Uh, and even then, when he was a top guy, he wasn't really producing running back one, maybe low in running back two numbers. There was really not there. He's touchdown dependent. He couldn't even score in the red zone last year. You watched those plenty of those games where he was just getting just getting stuffed at the red zone. Like, I'm, I'm staying away from Connor. I'd rather take Michael Carter from the Jets. You might as well take an yes. upside pick at that point if you're going to go that route. So, yeah, I'm out on Connor. Uh, I don't think it's going to be there. But I'm kind of out on Edmonds, too. So, to be honest, like, in Dynasty, I don't mind. He's going as running back 26, same as he is in redraft. Uh, he's going a couple rounds later in Dynasty. But, again, I mean, I don't see the the upside in taking him, unless you're, like, a zero running back guy, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to crap on zero running back guys because I actually kind of am. I'm an anchor running back guy. But even then, you're going to take Chase Edmonds over Noah Fant, uh, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, I would rather take James Robinson, which is around later, and you could still maybe get some production there. Uh, I like in PPR formats. I, I think Edmonds maybe could see it. Uh, but at the same time, we're, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is, you know who uh, Arizona's number one running back is? It's Kyler Murray. That's right. So yep. realistically, I think he limits their upside a little bit. I know he got hurt last year. Maybe they'll limit it. But and, and there was a lot of times I hit a lot of prop bets last year where Kyler Murray had 10, 10, 10 attempts, 10 rushes. Right. And that's going to cut into both of these guys to where is it worth it based on their ADP? Maybe if he's my third running back or fourth running back option, if he's falling, I'll, I'll grab him. But I, I'm not touching him there. What do you, I, I think Edmonds is more of a redraft guy, right? Yeah, yeah. First of all, I just want to say, you know, Nick, our friend from uh, P2W, he, uh, he's a big Elijah Moore stan. And uh, there's no way that Connor is being taken over – Elijah Moore and you said uh, Michael Carter. I mean, that's insane. That is that is just weird. Um, I don't get that. But like you said, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I would definitely take him in a redraft, especially like you said, if you're in like a zero RB situation, because that Cardinals offense is explosive. Uh, so you know that he's going to be in in the two minute drill. He's going to be on every third down. If they get down, you know, like in games, it's yeah. going to be the Edmonds show because he knows that offense. You know, so it's like. Connor's coming in with a whole new playbook. I don't trust him to do much in this offense. I'm just, you know, like I'm talking myself out of Connor more and more, you know, like Edmonds has been here for a while. You know, he knows the playbook. He knows, he knows Kyler. He has, um, I believe he got around six, uh, 70 targets last season. Uh, average around 25 yards receiving a game. So 
there are backs even in redraft. I'd probably take take instead of him like a James Robinson who's mm. being taken right after him, you know, and we can get him we can get into him later, but there's Javante Williams who's being taken after him, which of course I would take him over Edmonds uh, and Raheem Mostert who's been falling and we're going to talk about him later. Uh, but you could do a lot worse than chase Edmonds in your flex because he's being drafted right now, you know, in the ADP around 66, which is like the seventh round RB 26, yeah. which is like a high end RB three. And that's fine. If you have Edmonds in your flex, I'm f- I'd be happy with that. Yeah, and it, it, it redraft, I, I wouldn't mind targeting him. Like you said, he had 67 targets. Look at you. It's like you know how you're doing here. Like, look at this an- analysis we got going like on that? here with Jacob. <laughs> so he had 67 <laughs> targets last year. I, I think that number will go up a little bit. He caught 53 balls. Uh, he had 448 mm-hmm. yards rushing. He really came on towards the kind of the middle of that year when uh, Drake went down. But, again, it, it wasn't amazing numbers. Like, when you're looking at it from uh, – his perspective, like PPR formats, you know, he had a 16 point game and after that was 14, 10, 11, 10, 20, like he's in that middle tier. But like you said, running back three flex, could that be the option? So I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind going there with, uh, with, with Arizona. Um, all right. Are we done with Arizona? Cause I don't, I am. All right. Let's well, go. To e- yeah, I'm done. <laughs> all right. Let's go to even a weirder situation that we have here. And that is going to be our new England Patriots. Hmm. Uh, there's so many guys here. I think I'm just going to keep it simple. You know, Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, Ramondi Stevenson, James White, all these guys, uh, you know, what are, what are you doing? So out of those four guys, Damian Harris, Michelle, Stevenson, White, in redraft, who are you targeting? Damian Harris is the only running back that I trust to give me a consistent production throughout the whole season. He doesn't help you in the passing game, but last season – he averaged 13.7 carries for 69.1 yards, but he only got two total touchdowns because Cam Newton is that preferred goal line back, much like Kyler Murray is the preferred running back in Arizona. Uh, But it's hard to find that volume-based running backs who are going outside the top 100. So I think that Harris is a perfect zero RB candidate just because he I mean his floor is probably seven to eight points each week you know and you know you know it's extremely safe uh so I wouldn't I wouldn't expect his touchdowns to go up with Cam Newton there uh but I he's the only one that I would feel comfortable starting in my flex or just having on my bench as like a death piece um and then other than Damian Harris I would prefer James White in like a full PPR deep league. Yeah. But, but that's it. Yeah, I, I'm out on Sonny Michelle. I saw somebody on social media talking about how Sonny Michelle looked really good last season. I don't know what season you were watching. You might have actually skipped to 2019. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. then you, I, I think you're watching YouTube and, and something happened. Uh, he didn't look that good. And there's such a, I always have a rule. I've been playing f- fantasy for way too long, as you know, and I never draft New England running back. Like I just, unless it was James White. James White was always the exception. I said, you know what? I will take a shot on James White as my last guy and redraft that I can just plug in for PPR. Uh, but I'm, I'm still, I yeah. still, I did a whole video on Damian Harris. I, like you said, he's the one guy that I'm like, you know what? He's pretty talented. They did lean on him with that volume last year. He did seem like he actually was pretty good when he's healthy. He's going as running back 37 in redraft, running back 32 in dynasty. I don't mind taking a shot on Damian Harris, like you said. Uh, I'm out on Michelle. 
Ramonde Stevenson is fine as a Debbie guy. I know him. He's going as running back 56 in Dynasty. He's actually someone I've been grabbing in rookie drafts for Dynasty because it's like late third. You might as well take a shot on a guy like Stevenson. Maybe he scores some touchdowns for you. But I think with all these guys, wouldn't you say it's basically just going to be a rotating door and who the hell are we going to start? Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I know that Rex Burkhead is gone and that – opens up some opportunity but it's still yeah it's going to be a rotating door because bill just loves to keep his backs fresh yeah and bill belichick is the enemy to all fantasy football managers out there uh you are a pain in the ass for the last as long as i can remember bill belichick because i mean i don't even know Corey dillon was probably the guy i was like oh yeah i'll draft him and then after that it just it just it just burke heads out here taking all my targets away from why all this stuff so i think it can be challenging Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, that's just uh, it, it's just getting rough out there. Uh, yes. I definitely uh, now there's more crowded running back rooms that we're going to go through. Uh, we're probably not going to get to every single one today, but the majority of it. Let's let's head to Jacksonville, because I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, we've been hearing a lot of stuff about them, uh, especially with they, they moved up, drafted to ETN. James Robinson was there. Uh, and then Carlos Hyde is even there, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but you know what? Carlos Hyde is going to get some run, guys. I hate to break mm-hmm. it to you guys. Like, he's going to be involved here. Uh, so let's look at Travis Etienne and redraft, So I th- which I think is a kind of a risk. Uh, ADP redraft right now is, is 52, running back 22. What are you doing with Etienne? Yeah, Etienne as the RB22 is way too high for me because I think that James Robinson is going to start out as the RB one there. Now he might, he might like split carries and like Travis ETN gets about like six to eight carries a game. But I think that Robinson's going to get 10 to 12 carries, if not more. And he's going to see the goal line work. And urban Meyer has already said that ETN's going to line up in the slot sometimes, you know, so they're going to move him around it. They're going to move him around and be creative. Whereas James Robinson's pretty much a one trick pony. But that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars need. They need that ground and pound yeah. as well as the passing game with ETN. Uh, so I am not going to write off James Robinson. I I think he's great value. And, you know, after what he did last year, he's going to be at least rewarded the starting job to start the season. And as long as he is successful, then I believe that he keeps that job. So um, that is way too high for me at RB22. That's for sure. Yeah, so if we're if we're looking at uh, dynasty for for ETN and we're looking at that right now, it's running back nineteen fifty six point two five. You know, I don't hate that in terms of like where you're going to grab him for dynasty and where he's kind of going in terms of like area for ETN. Uh, you know, again. When we're talking about ETN, he's a very good runner. I think they're going to move him out in the slot. I do think he's going to get targets, but I, I, these guys are just going to eat in. They're going to eat into each other's just workload. I mean, that's really the reality of both of these guys. They're going to just eat into it, eat into it. So for me, it's based on. I think this backfield is all about injury based. Like, hey, what is going to happen in terms of like, hey, if one of those guys gets hurt, then yes, they're going to be a hell of a value. Uh, if they don't, then they're just going to constantly eat into each other where I think it was a good football move getting these guys. But at the same time, they're going to have to compete with targets with Chenault. They're going to have, you know, Chark's going to be there. They're going to have all these, Marvin Jones is going to be legit. I think this offense is going to be good at Tebow. Just kidding. Uh, But you have all these different kind of guys here that you have. Uh, So I do think that I'm staying, I don't mind this in dynasty. I'm taking ETN because I think he's still a value right now going where he's going at running back 19. Uh, and where his ADP is. So I don't mind grabbing him because you can grab him right, right kind of right Javante, but I'd rather have Javante. So right now in Dynasty, it's Harris Javante for me. 
at an ETN, which is crazy to think about, but it is. That's just kind of how how I feel about this because of where the landing spot goes. And I'm never really a big landing spot guy, but there are some question marks about ETN. Uh, so that's how I feel about Jacksonville. Mm. Uh, anything else with these guys? Just a shout out to Carlos Hyde. He's going to get some run. He's going to piss some people off. I know that because Urban's going to use him in some ways. And they're going to be like, why is, why is Hyde getting six targets this game? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, I'll just harp on drafting James Robinson in the sixth round would be nice value as long as he's not your RB1 or two. You know, he is mm-hmm. another person where I would love as my flex, which is a very real possibility in round six when I already have my two backs and my two wideouts and maybe my tight end. So I love yeah. James Robinson in that spot. Sixth round yeah. is great. And to be fair to everybody out there, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I was saying to, to sell James Robinson in December. I said, sell him now. His value is not going to do it. They're going to draft someone, new regime. I have the receipts. So if you come ask me, I can prove it. Like, it's legit. I said, sell it. That's what you have to do with those guys. Undrafted free agents are just, you know, Lindsay. I love Philip Lindsay. But mm-hmm. his value hit an all-time high. People thought that was going to be. It just, it just doesn't, that's just not how it works. That's not how the NFL works. And so, like, even now, James Robinson's going for, like, a late second. You might as well keep yeah. him in Dynasty because at a certain point, you know, maybe he pops on a team. He's going to be the kind of guy that jumps around a little bit. But you've got to sell high at values for undrafted running backs, especially guys you got off the waiver. Could you imagine? I saw him go for two firsts that end up are going to turn into better value pieces, wow. right? So, Man. yeah. Yeah. I offered actually in my Dynasty League a first-round pick for – James Robinson before the draft because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I have a late first round pick. I need an RB2. I'm going to go for it. He said no because he doesn't think that that the Jags are going to draft anyone. And, you know, and now he's desperate to sell him and no one wants him. And I was like, oh, goodness. So it's quick. Should have listened to you, Kevin. Hey, I I tried to tell everybody sell, sell, sell. No one listens to me. It's like it's like my kids and my wife. All right, let's move on. We're going to do one last team. I'm going to let Jacob pick the team that he wants to talk about. We have a few more, but we can always touch on those later. What what is one last redraft and dynasty team we want to focus on with running backs? Uh, I think we should hit on the Niners. Um, Okay, you know, just because it's so it's such like a polarizing topic, and I think that Mostert's ADP price has gone like is at an all-time value right now. He is currently being taken in the seventh round. I know he's a little bit banged up right now, you know, and Trey Sermon is coming on in OTAs, but Raheem Mostert, by all, he's going to be the starting running back this year. You know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. Now, much like the Patriots, they'll probably rotate in Sermon and Gallman and, it, you know, when Jeff Wilson comes back. But Mostert's going to get the bulk of carries, 10 to 12, as long as he's healthy. And Mostert's one of the fastest backs in the league. That dude has speed for days. Yeah. So um, getting a starting running back in a 49ers-led, like in a 49ers rushing attack offense, I, I want Mostert now. This is another situation where if you draft Mostert in the seventh, you're going to want to get Sermon to back him up because, you know, Mostert has injury history and Sermon's probably going to get himself five to eight carries a game um, on top of Mostert's 10 to 12 carries because I feel like it's going to be a one-two punch when it's all said and done with Gallman and Wilson being deaf pieces. Uh, So I'm definitely looking at Mostert in the seventh round, especially if I'm a zero running back manager, which I am not. I'm getting my running backs early in the first and second round, but just saying I know there is a huge market for zero RB uh, 
right now. So most search should be your target, but make sure you get sermon shortly after. Yeah, no, I I agree. Mostert to me is a redraft guy in Dynasty. He's really going way later. There's a reason for that. You're really just drafting him. It's probably kind of the reversal. You're going to draft Sermon, then you'll draft Mostert in Dynasty. Maybe if you want that double stack, some guys do that. I wouldn't recommend it in Dynasty. I'm going after Sermon. His ADP right now is ADP is 103, so he's going like ninth round, uh, running back 30. So when we look at like well, who's going around that time, you're looking at, you know, Chanel is there, Odell Beckham, Melvin Gordon, Damian Harris, uh, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Mike Davis, DJ Chark, Leonard Fournette. So that's kind of the, the crew mm. he's around. Mm. The way I look at it, if he's going in round nine, you're taking two quarterbacks, probably two running backs, and then the rest wide receivers and maybe a tight end thrown in there. So realistically, you're looking at Sermon as being maybe you're running back three in Dynasty. I love that based on where his location is, what Shanahan can do there in that offense, what he could be, right? And so that's a pretty good value where he's at. Mm-hmm. I think in rookie drafts, he's getting drafted way too high. I saw him go 107 in a super flex rookie draft. That's a little high for me. Uh, wow. Just a, That's a really high for me. I think in startups, if you're going to do a startup this summer, I think right now is good. He, he's It's creeping, though, because you hear all this coach talk, right? Damn coach talk right. about how good he's doing in training camp or in you know spring and the mini camp, everything like that. So it's creeping up, but I still think he's a value. I like Sermon, but let's be real. As a person that does college football, Debbie does those things. He's got to stay healthy. Like there, Sermon's never had a problem with talent. It's consistency and health. Like he is always healthy. There's a reason why he transferred to Ohio state. There was a reason why he didn't really make it in Oklahoma. There was a reason why he kind of fell off a little bit because his injuries inconsistency. So I stop. I think one thing we see the talent, we see the location and we're like, Oh, that's a surefire thing. There's risks there. Like, there's legitimate risk that you're taking with him because he could easily just be hurt, like all these freaking San Francisco Niners running backs. And then you're like, hey, I'm kind of left there. And I think it's going to be a little bit like the Patriots where they kind of Belichick throwing guys in there and just done it. We've seen it with Shanahan, with the, right? So it's like, okay, who's going to be the guy? I do think most start starts the season, and I think that's a good value for redraft. But like you said, you better handicap him with, with Sermon. That's right. All right. Well, what we're going to do, and we appreciate you guys listening so far, as always. And what we're going to talk about is we actually have some questions from our listeners. We appreciate you guys a lot. Find us on social media, definitely Twitter. And we will always answer your questions at any point. uh, And and we're going to go through. So we're going to be looking at some questions from Dynasty formats and from uh, Redraft formats. And so that's where we're going right now. So let's talk about Dynasty first. So I know Jacob's got some questions for me, and I'm going to do my best to kind of go through some of these Dynasty questions. All right, Kevin. So we got a question from Johnny Foosball at Johnny Foosball 3. He says, in a Dynasty, Chase or Lawrence? I have Jalen Hurts already. I'm leaning towards Chase as it's half PPR. I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) Yeah, Johnny. Uh, Johnny mentioned this. It's a one quarterback dynasty league, so I think that changes my perspective on this. Uh, I don't know. Again, if you're playing a one quarterback dynasty league, great for you, but you're still a boomer. I, I still think you should be playing superflex. The way I look at it, this question, if it's one quarterback, I'm going to roll with Hurts because of Konami ability. And if I have to pick up a guy later, I will. I'm taking Chase because Chase could be a legitimate superstar in this league. He's my wide receiver one by a big margin. Half PPR. Give me the wide receiver to build around. Lawrence is amazing. But, again, in one quarterback, the value is just not there to me. Absolutely, really. All right. Second question comes from Randall at Fantasy Tipler. He asks, just got Julio and T.Y. Hilton in a trade. Got an offer for Michael Thomas for Shark and a 22 first. 
Should I try to win now with my lineup, which includes Cortland Sutton, or accept the trade for a, a shot for future builds? He's stacked on RB. He's all right at quarterback and tight end. Uh, this is a PPR Superflex dynasty. So if I read this right, because again, I, Jacob's the smarter guy in this. In this, uh, I'm just a history teacher over here. So I, I'm looking at it here. So he's getting offered basically Michael Thomas for his chart in a 2022 first. Yes. Uh, gosh, this is a tough one. I looked at this. You have an old team. You got Julio and T.Y. Hilton hanging on, hamstrings and all. And right. then you got to try to put Michael Thomas in there. You know what? I, gosh. It, it, when he talked about he's met on quarterbacks and tight ends, I would probably, I would probably wait. I would, I think Chark's going to have a pretty good year, depending on who your wide receiver one is. If if Julio and Ty Hilton are your wide receiver ones, I don't mind that deal. Get get Thomas, roll with it. Give up a 22, 22 first, okay. And Chark, who I think is getting a little overvalued right now, um, I don't mind it. But if 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 they're not your wide receiver one, if you have somebody else, if you have Sutton on there. That's not bad, but if it's just Sutton, Julio, and T.Y., I don't mind trading for Michael Thomas because he's just removed one year from a really terrible year he was wide receiver one by a big margin. Uh, I don't mind taking that that offer. And to be honest, everybody listening out there, 2022 first don't have a lot of value. Uh, I, I think that that class really is a, is is really top-heavy. So if you win now and you're in that later half, I don't mind taking the shot on Thomas. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I like Michael Thomas too. And redraft too. He's being taken at a value right now. He's very low. Uh, okay. So next question comes from Nick Scrip at P2W fantasy. Good friend of the show. He asks, is there a rookie from last season who, who you believe is at their peak value already? Okay. So before I get skewered on Twitter and all these places like, and social media, I think it's Justin Jefferson. Well, mm. cause you asked for who is at peak value. I don't see how Justin Jefferson's value can get even higher. Do you? Like, I don't – he had an all-time year last year. I agree. And now that the Vikings defense is getting healthier, he might not have as big a year as last year. So, yeah, I agree. I, so, I just think, like, when I say – I love Justin Jefferson. And I'm not saying to trade Jefferson Jefferson. But I, what I'm saying is he is kind of at his peak. The, when I went through the roster and I looked at everybody, he's really legitimately the guy that's there. And I, I pulled up some trades for everybody out there. So, I like to give you guys trades so it kind of puts in perspective what I'm talking about. So, right now, Justin Jefferson he just got traded for Noah Fant and Stefan Diggs. Again, Diggs is going to have a great year with Allen. And then you get Noah Fant. I like that roster. Now, I understand if Dynasty people hate the ageism thing and they see Stefan Diggs and realize he's kind of on the back end of 20s. So I understand the hesitation, but that's kind of – that's a very good value. Now, this next one was a heck of a trade. It was Jefferson, Justin Jefferson straight up for T. Higgins, the 111, a 2022 second, and a 2023 first. Hmm. That is a massive haul for Justin yeah. Jefferson. Absolutely. Uh, that's just – that's a massive haul. So in terms of value, peak value from what you just heard – I, I'm not going to say get rid of Justin. I wouldn't probably trade Justin, but he's at a peak value now. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, he could have not a down year, but people are drafting him as if he's going to be a rock-solid wide receiver one, and that might not happen with the Vikings defense getting healthier with Daniel Hunter coming back and Anthony Barr coming back, and Mike Zimmer yeah. always has a great defense, so Justin Jefferson might not be needed as much. Yeah, as much. He's still a stud. Like, don't right. get me wrong. But just looking at that question, I'm like, you know what? I, you know, he's probably at peak value. Right, right on, right on. Okay, so next question comes from at Dynasty Mafia FF. You have Josh Allen, 
Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and Carson Wentz in a 12-team Superflex dynasty and need running back wide receiver help bad. What do you do? So I, I'm trading Burrow. Uh, so the way I looked at those four those four guys, I'm going to keep Allen and, and Lawrence because I think those are foundational pieces the way I look at them. Wentz is a very good QB3 in, in Superflex. I, I don't mind Wentz having him there. And I think Burrow has the most value, perceived value, for you to get depth, mm-hmm. right? So I looked at a few trades for you out there that you could do. And this is an interesting one anyway. And I, again, it depends on roster build and how everybody's roster is there. It was Joe Burrow and Robbie Anderson for Daniel Jones and Deion. DeAndre Hopkins. So you get DeAndre Hopkins back and a and Daniel Jones, who's I don't want, but he's formidable, right? You get another QB in there. Uh, the next one was Joe Burrow for Aaron Jones in the 204. So essentially in a super flex league, you look at Aaron Jones and like Elijah Moore. Hmm. Not a bad depth piece. And then Joe Burrow for Russell Wilson in a 2023 first. Now, if you if you're trying to get running backs and wide receivers, it doesn't really help, but Russell Wilson maybe would have perceived more value. You can maybe trade him later uh, and there. So I would probably move Burrow just because of those quarterbacks, it has the most value for your your bang for your buck. So you're looking, okay, who can I trade that I I, I can okay live with it? I think Burrow really struggled last year with his deep ball accuracy. We saw that. I think there's some more question marks. I know he's great in a great offense. That offensive line, he has one knee right now. Like there's a lot of question marks about Burrow more than I have for like Lawrence because I think he got into a good situation. So I wouldn't mind moving uh, Burrow. Great answer. Okay, so last question for Dynasty. It comes from at that dude TB. <laughs> I love yes. it. I love that name. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> he asks, "What current high ADP players, top five rounds in redrafts? Oh, this is a redraft. Are you actively looking to move on from in Dynasty formats? Yeah. Oh, got it. Got he, it. he tricked us. Yeah, I read this a couple yeah. times trying to figure out what he was saying here. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll be a little quicker on this. For me, I'm I'm moving David Montgomery." I think that he is an excellent redraft player, but with what you can do, I think that you could probably move David for somebody a little bit younger. I saw David in like a second go for CEH. As I'm not even a CH guy, but I don't mind kind of getting younger, younger, I younger. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing that. Mike Evans might be another one. I know he's 27. I think he's he's got a lot of talent left in him, but that offense is going to get spread around. Antonio Brown, Godwin, those things. I think we have to worry about Antonio Brown cutting into his targets a little bit more and his yards from what we saw last year. And then I'm I'm actually moving Mark Andrews. Uh, I, I think Mark Andrews is very touchdown dependent in a high level rushing offense, like we talked about earlier, with Bateman coming there. I think he's going to – he's touchdown, two touchdown dependent for me. Uh, so I actually have been actively moving Mark Andrews. I moved him in a league for Noah Fan in a second. So mm-hmm. I got Noah back in a second. So I'm actively trying to kind of get younger at that position, get a little more athletic. Uh, so Mark Andrews, Mike Evans, and David Montgomery are my three. Great answers. I love it, man. I love it. And you don't have to always agree with me, Jacob. But I know I'm, I'm killing it. I agree. Right so it's, it's, it's you okay. are just way too smart, Kevin. I'm <laughs> telling you, dude. All right, let's go to redraft and let me argue with you because that's my job. My job is to find holes in your argument here. Uh, all right, yeah. so redraft questions because, again, you know, we, we like to give you guys it all because I know these things are going out there. So uh, we have Doombot12 underscore fantasy football out here asking, are there boom bust players that you trust in redraft and not just best ball? So I'm thinking of guys like McCole Hardman. This is a fantastic question. There are guys like 
Hardman and KJ Hamler in Denver who have insane speed who at any given moment can take the top off the defense and get a 75 yard bomb. And those guys are fantastic for best ball uh, in the late rounds. There are a few early round guys who also have that boom bust tag, like Tyler Lockett, like Will Fuller, like Hollywood Brown, you know, who wasn't much of a Hollywood last year. You know, he was Marquise last year. Um, But uh, if, we are focusing on guys like Mikol Hartman, you know, like guys who are being drafted in the 11th round or around like wide receiver 53. I have one boom bust guy that I trust that can deliver consistent numbers throughout the season. And that's Henry Ruggs for the Raiders. Uh, you know, with Aguilar gone, the only targets that Vegas has are Darren Waller and Brian Edwards, you know, and Brian Edwards is not proven, even though he has high upside and he has promise for sure. Uh, but Ruggs was selected in the 12 or in the first round, 12th overall last season. So you have to think that the Raiders are going to do all they can to put him in a position to succeed this season. Um, I think that his targets are going to go up because he only averaged around three to four targets last year. Uh, you know, they just had him fly, fly to every single snap when he was on the field. Um, you know, I think that they're going to put him in a position to succeed. They're going to manufacture plays. They're going to make sure he has the ball in his hands so that he can make plays. Uh, right now, Henry Ruggs is being taken as the wide receiver 56, which puts him in the wide receiver five range. But I trust he's going to be a consistent low end wide receiver three this season. Ooh, I like that call. I mean, I, I did see some stuff about like draft, obviously draft capital, the way they use them, they're going to get them more involved. Where's the target going to go? They're going to go to somebody. So exactly. I want to put you on the spot then. Henry Ruggs or Gabriel Davis? Uh, I'm going to go Henry Ruggs just because, um, just because of the lack of targets in Vegas. Uh, I know that the Bills, you know, Diggs is going to see like 15 targets a game. Uh, and then they have Cole Beasley, who's going to take eight to 10 targets a game. Josh Allen, you know, he threw a lot more last year, but he loves to run. So, I mean, like Gabriel Davis is going to be like a boom or bust wide receiver for at best. Whereas I think that Henry Ruggs can take that step forward and be a consistent mid to low wide receiver three. Okay. Uh, I, I like that. I like that. I hope you're right. Cause I traded a first for him last year in a weird, like a big trade. I threw him in there. And so I, I really don't want to look like an idiot there. All right, let's go to the next question. Some guy named D Mindy. I don't know who that is. Some off brand fantasy website. Uh, where do you have <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire ranked in redraft PPR leagues this year? Be nice. Cause I don't want to have to come on and crash the show. <laughs> So, so I talked about this in the last show, but I think that Clyde takes a step forward this year in, you know, it's his second year in the Andy Reid system and he's tied to the most explosive offense in the league. We have to remember that not all rookie running backs come into the league and just dominate, you know, like some take a little bit of time to adjust to the speed of the NFL. Clyde has a ton of speed, but Maybe like the offensive playbook vernacular, like Andy Reid didn't want him in on every play, but maybe a full off season, you know, like understanding the playbook even more, you know, working with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is going to benefit him. Plus, Damian Williams is gone. All he has to do is fight off Daryl Williams for snaps, which I do think that Daryl 
stays involved uh, because the Chiefs trust him for sure. But I think that Clyde gets more of a rope and, you know, he, he, he to me is, is like the perfect bounce back candidate who is being taken, you know, in the late second or in the third round, which is incredible value to me. If I got him in the third round or in the late second, I'd be thrilled because I'd be pairing him with a bona fide RB one, like a Jonathan Taylor, a Nick Chubb, uh, you know, one of those RB one backs in the first round. So, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that was nice enough for you, Mendy. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Like, uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know how I feel about CEA. So we'll move on. But I think that I think in redraft, he's a definitely a good there. Uh, next one, Zach Attack. So we have a couple more real quick. Zach Attack, FF Chalupa Batman um, on, <laughs> on Twitter. In redraft, do you think it is more impressive to make the playoffs five years in a row but never win the championship or be inconsistent for five years but win the championship once? I know my answer, but what is your answer? Okay, I just think this is another fantastic question. I think it's more impressive to make the playoffs five years in a row but never win the ship because I just think that sometimes guys can get lucky. They can catch fire in the playoffs and run the table and win the championship even though they struggled to get into the playoffs. I mean, you know, that is impressive in in itself. One year I went 13-1 and one and got – uh, you know, I think this was two years back and got like a first round by I, I had easily the best team. Uh, and then I get beat a bad beat by someone who barely snuck into the playoffs, uh, who hasn't been in the playoffs since for the past three years. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's more impressive to be consistent because fantasy football, it, there's a lot of luck involved. I know there is preparation. There's, you know, researching and reading and see what see what the offense is doing but a lot has to do with luck whether we want to admit it or not so um if you can be consistent in such a lucky game you know uh then i think that's much more impressive than randomly winning the championship one year and never making the playoffs again or like going on a cold streak i don't know what do you think kevin I, I, I want to win. So like me, give me the championship. I don't care how I do it. I, I like money and I like to brag and I like to be like, Hey, you know what? It might be inconsistent, but, but again, I do see some more inconsistent years probably than you. You're much better at like being consistent probably because you take the floor guys where I'll take those swings and oh man, I look good one year. And then the next year I'm like, Oh, because <laughs> redraft, I don't mind doing it. Like dynasty. I'm a little bit more conservative how I build a team uh, j- it, just in case you're stuck you know, with that team. You're stuck with it and stuff, but redraft, I don't mind swinging for the fences sometimes. So yeah. I definitely have that. So, all right, last one before your daughter comes in and and, and yells at you for being on here. Who are some <laughs> tight ends that you like as sleepers in redraft? Because we know that position is tough. Uh, who are you looking at? All right, so the term sleeper is always difficult, you know, just because, you know, you just, you know, is it past 100? Is it past 125? Is it past 150? I'm going to go with guys that are going outside the top 150 just to be very deep about it. Uh, my favorite sleeper is a tight end that's being taken as a tight end 24. And that is your boy, Kevin Blake Jarwin. Uh, Jarwin was hyped up last last season as a sleeper because it was Jason Witten's first year. You know, I think he... Retired and went into TV, then yeah, you know that whole story. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he was left the tight end one job all to himself when Jason Witten left. 
one catch and 12 yards later, Blake Jarwin gets a torn ACL dashing everyone's hopes, you know, of him being a sleeper pick last year. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, he is back in training camp. He should be fully healthy and he gets reinserted in a dynamic Cowboys offense led by Dak Prescott. Jarwin should be able to put up solid tight end two stats all season with Dak at the helm and the Cowboys offense potentially playing catch up in most games thanks to a Cowboys defense that gave up the fifth worst 29.6 points per game last season. Um, And then another tight end who's being taken a little earlier is Evan Ingram, whom he got 6.8 targets last season. I think he's one of the safer late round late round tight ends that you could get. You know, I agree. I, I like that call uh, with Evan Ingram. I think he's a, a high floor. I, I, I think he's got a pretty safe floor. Uh, and I think that he's getting kind of crapped on in the community a little bit too much. Uh, he's a very solid uh, option at that position. So that's definitely something I'm going there. So, you know, hey, redraft dynasty questions. We're definitely going to be adding these. We might not do as many as we do. It just depends on the topics and the conversations that we have. Uh, but if you have any, just please send them our way, and we will definitely discuss it, and we'll and we'll hit you guys up, and, and you let us know what you need help with. So, uh, as like we went over, we went over the crowded running back rooms. We hit those redraft and dynasty questions. Be sure to hit that subscribe button uh, and, and hit that podcast button. We appreciate any views that you have. We had a lot of positive feedback, but anything else, we're trying to add sounds and Mario sounds to you guys and have some fun with this thing. So not trying to take this too seriously. We, we want you to win, but we also want to have some fun, get some nostalgia back. So Jacob, I appreciate you coming on today. Mm, absolutely, Kevin. I had a blast. And if you, if you guys, if you guys want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at ain't done yet and done is spelled D U N N E. And until next Tuesday, Have a fantastic rest of your week.